0: Welcome to the election ride home for Wednesday, March 11th, 2020. I'm your host, Jackson Bird, with a summary of election news. Today, Senator Sanders held a big press conference to announce that he is staying in the race. Biden won big in the elections last night and voter turnout is looking bad for Sanders, but good for the Democratic Party. Here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. A quick update before we dive into primary results. Remember yesterday when I told you that none of the presidential candidates had plans to cancel campaign rallies due to coronavirus? Well, right as I finished editing, news broke that both Senator Sanders and Vice President Biden were canceling their rallies in Ohio following Governor DeWine's request that all major indoor events be canceled. The DNC also announced yesterday that there will be no live audience or traveling members of the news media at Sunday night's debate in Phoenix. Campaign teams have said that further rallies will be decided on a case-by-case basis, but of course, as the outbreak intensifies, we are sure to see more ways that it will affect the campaign. And a reminder, if you want to keep up to date with coronavirus news in general, you can subscribe to Ride Home Media's latest podcast, Coronavirus Daily Briefing. Like this show, it is a 15-minute long summation of news, but in this case, a much more immediate and serious topic. We very much hope that it will be a temporary show, but if you have been nervously refreshing all of your feeds for more information about the coronavirus situation, this podcast is designed to keep you up to date. So search your podcast app and subscribe to Coronavirus Daily Briefing. All right, on with the primary results. The results are mostly in from last night's primary elections in six states. Vice President Biden has won four of those states, Idaho, Michigan, Mississippi, and Missouri, Senator Sanders has won one North Dakota. As of recording, Washington is still reporting and is too close to call. In all last night, as of recording, Biden secured 180 more delegates and Sanders secured 112. That puts the totals at 860 for Biden and 710 for Sanders. And here's a quick rundown of the votes in each state. In Idaho, it was 48% to Biden to 42 for Sanders In Michigan, 52% to Biden, 36% for Sanders. Mississippi, 81% to Biden, and just 14% for Sanders. In Missouri, it was 60% to 24% in Biden's favor. North Dakota, 53% for Sanders, and 39% for Biden. And Washington, again, too close to call. Uh, And the mail-in voting there means it'll be a while before all of the ballots are counted. But as of recording, Sanders is at 32.7 percent and Biden is at 32.5. So definitely a strong showing for Vice President Biden last night. He managed to snag Michigan, which was the top state Sanders was hoping to win and the one with the most delegates at stake last night. Sanders did still manage to get 51 delegates there, but it's not the win he was banking on. There was a lot of chatter online last night about demographic breakdowns in exit polling. One of the starkest divisions was around age. New York Times exit polling in Michigan found that voters 18 to 29 went with Sanders 77% to 19% for Biden. Meanwhile, voters 65 and over voted for Biden 73% to 21 And if you look at the charts on their exit polling, you can see that the age groups go in direct opposition to each other for the two candidates. The older voters get, the more likely they are to support Biden and vice versa for Sanders. The other element to note, however, is that the older voters get, the more likely they are to vote at all. Voters 18 to 24 only made up 8% of the vote, while voters aged 40 to 49 were 17% of voters, and people aged 50 to 64 were 33% of voters. Now, of course, those gaps in age have increasingly wider spreads, but the point still stands. Sanders is overwhelmingly winning the young votes, but young voters are not turning out. We'll talk more on that in the next segment. The other stark demographic divide was race. Biden won 66% of black voters in Michigan, while Sanders garnered only 27%, according to exit polling conducted by CNN. Ryan Strzok points out on Twitter that these numbers are pretty much in line with the results from the 2016 primary in Michigan. However... If you look at white male voters, Struck, referencing CNN exit polling data from both election cycles, shows that white men voted 20% less for Sanders this year than they did in 2016. Many people are saying this change in sentiment, along with a few other demographic changes, underscores the possibility that many of Sanders' voters in 2016 weren't so much voting for him, but voting against Secretary Clinton. Writer at The Atlantic, Derek Thompson, compared Missouri exit polling between 2016 and 2020, showing that in 2016, Sanders won all of the following demographics. Men, white voters, voters under 45, white college-educated voters, and white non-college-educated voters. The only demographic Thompson references here that Sanders lost in 2016 was voters over the age of 65. This year, Sanders increased his lead with voters under 45, but lost every other aforementioned demographic to Biden. Thompson tweeted, quote, Big picture? Sanders demolished Clinton among people under 45, and then super-duper demolished Biden among people under 45. He appears to have bled double-digit support among almost every other age, gender, ethnicity, education demographic. End quote. Harry Enten added on Twitter, quote, Biden's got a strength in rural areas across the north, Michigan included, that Clinton never had. A lot of Sanders' strength in 2016 continues to look like it was anti-Clinton, end quote. Ezra Klein was one of many people pointing out how this could be evidence of the sexism at play in the 2016 election, tweeting, quote, Following the Clinton-Sanders race with the Biden-Sanders race is almost like a natural experiment in, to put it gently, the role gender plays in voter preferences and judgments about electability. Clinton and Biden are both establishment Democrats who served at high levels in Obama's administration and have long policy records in the center of the Democratic Party. And Clinton was a sharper candidate with more support from party leadership and more money. And yet it looks like Biden will beat Sanders in a lot of places Clinton either lost or barely won. That may just be Trump pushing the Democratic electorate to a candidate they perceive as safer, but I'm skeptical it's just that, end quote. The New York Times also stated that these results could reveal the role gender had to play in anti-Clinton sentiment, writing, quote, White men supported Mr. Sanders by a 25-point margin over Mrs. Clinton, yet they favored Mr. Biden over Mr. Sanders on Tuesday, end quote. Since we're talking so much about 2016, another point... Across the board, not just with particular demographics, across the board, Senator Sanders is performing worse than he did in 2016. Quoting the New York Times, He won Michigan then, he lost it now. He nearly won Missouri then, he lost it decisively now. He won Washington, North Dakota, and Idaho in landslides then, all were too close to immediately call on Tuesday night. Mr. Sanders doing worse in 2020 than 2016 is not new. As the pro-Biden super PAC Unite the Country wrote in a memo this week, On Super Tuesday, in every single state, Bernie Sanders earned a smaller share of the vote than he earned in those same states in 2016. End quote. One final note, in the midst of the primary elections yesterday, both candidates snagged a couple of endorsements. Previously having endorsed Senator Warren, the Working Families Party has officially endorsed Senator Sanders, as have a group of 50 former Warren staffers who published a letter of their endorsement to Medium yesterday. Meanwhile, Andrew Yang became the latest former 2020 presidential candidate to endorse Joe Biden. Yang had previously supported Sanders in the 2016 election, but as we all know, he always follows the math. Speaking on CNN in his new role as contributor there, he said, quote, The math says Joe is our prohibitive nominee. We need to bring the party together we need to start working on defeating Donald Trump in the fall. End quote. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico— As far as turnout from last night goes, there's bad news for Bernie Sanders, but good news for the Democratic Party overall. Let's start with the bad news for Sanders. Writing about the primary in Missouri last night, the New York Times said, quote, voters under 45 years old were 41% of the electorate in 2016. Those same voters accounted for only 32% of the electorate in 2020. The biggest jump in terms of share of the electorate came among Mr. Biden's strongest group, those 65 or older, who were 31% of the electorate, up from only 22% four years ago. Mr. Biden carried older voters with a colossal 81% support, an even bigger share than Mr. Sanders had among those under 30. End quote. That was the most extreme example from last night, but in every primary or caucus, we're seeing Sanders getting the most support of young voters, and also that young voters are showing up less than every other age group. That might not be for want of trying, though, especially for college students. The New York Times points out, quote, college student turnout in the 2018 midterms, 40.3 percent of 10 million students tracked by Tufts University's Institute for Democracy and Higher Education, was more than double the rate of the 2014 midterms, easily exceeding an already robust increase in national turnout. Energized by issues like climate change and the Trump presidency, students have suddenly emerged as a potentially crucial voting bloc in the 2020 general election. And almost as suddenly, Republican politicians around the country are throwing up roadblocks between students and voting booths. Not coincidentally, the barriers are rising fastest in political battlegrounds and places like Texas, where one-party control is eroding. Students lean strongly Democrat. End quote. The New York Times adds that college students often come from out-of-state, and that a lot of states require restrictions for out-of-state voters trying to register, like requiring driver's licenses or auto registrations that are prohibitively expensive for college students. Many states accept student IDs in name, but have restrictions that most student IDs aren't compatible with. Some states also have laws ensuring high schools help seniors register to vote, but they also have loopholes that many schools use to get out of it. States are also closing down early voting locations, or just voting locations in general, particularly ones located on or near college campuses. Despite these restrictions and plenty more, college students are organizing in ever-increasing numbers to help get each other to the polls. So yes, their turnout might not be as high as other age groups, and that is certainly not helping Senator Sanders this year, but placing all the blame on youth apathy is ignoring a huge component of the problem. But on to the good news overall for the Democratic Party. Turnout was up in many locations and across several demographics. Tim Alberta, chief political correspondent at Politico, tweeted last night, quote, There were 1.2 million raw votes cast in Michigan's 2016 Democratic primary. We just hit 1.2 million tonight, with two-thirds of the vote counted. Alberta also wrote a piece for Politico profiling Livingston County, Michigan, and what its turnout spells for the general election. Quoting Alberta, Four years ago, Livingston was a safe haven for Republicans. Voters there, white, educated, upper-class commuters, gave no hint of a coming realignment. The county's congressional seat, property of the GOP for 15 years, was locked down. Its political culture, anchored by a love of God, guns, and tax cuts, seemed uncrackable. When the presidential primaries were held, the Republican contest attracted nearly three times as many voters than the Democratic counterpart. Trump carried the county by 30 percentage points against Hillary Clinton in November 2016, arguably his most impressive pound-for-pound showing in the state. But, Alberta says, quote, in Tuesday's Democratic primary, there were 27,458 votes cast in the county compared with 17,591 four years ago. For Democratic turnout to jump 56% in any affluent, well-educated suburb is incredible. For it to happen in a deeply, fundamentally conservative place like Livingston County is astounding. Some people might think a difference of some 10,000 votes is no big deal, but in a state that was decided by some 10,000 votes, it is a very big deal, end quote. Alberta also points out that President Trump didn't win the Electoral College by a huge margin, just by three states, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and a combined 77,744 votes. And in those states, the main reasons Clinton lost were her inability to win over black voters, wealthy white voters, and working-class white voters, all demographics Biden performed very strongly with last night. Alberta said further, Two things happened on Tuesday in Michigan. First, Democratic turnout exploded. Second, Biden performed far better with key demographic groups than Clinton did four years ago. If either one of those things happens in November, Trump will have a difficult time winning the state again. If both those things happen, the president can kiss Michigan's 16 electoral votes goodbye, and with them, more than likely, the electoral votes of Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. There goes the White House end quote. He goes a lot deeper from there, and it's worth reading, so check out the Politico link in the show notes. I'll also add it wasn't just Livingston County. Another wealthy Michigan suburb, Oakland County, saw a 44% increase in turnout this year versus in 2016, according to electionreporting.com. People really turned out in Michigan last night to vote, and it could mean big things for the rest of the election. Earlier this afternoon, Senator Sanders held a press conference to address the future of his campaign. For a few minutes, the whole internet freaked out, thinking he was about to drop out of the race, but it was leaked just a few minutes before he spoke that his intentions were simply to confirm that he will be remaining in the race. It seems like his intention with the press conference was to reassure both supporters as well as everybody else that his campaign still has potential, still has legs, and still has plenty of passion. He acknowledged that he's losing in delegates, but that he is winning in two strong areas, ideologically and with the younger generations. As I talked about in the last two segments, his success with younger generations is overwhelmingly true. And as far as his ideology goes, most recent polls have been showing that far more prospective voters agree with policies like Medicare for All and free public college and a number of Sanders's other platforms far more people agree with those than are willing to vote for him. Sanders mentioned anecdotally in his press conference that people will say they support his various policies and then say they're voting for Joe Biden because he seems more electable. And polling data does seem to back this up. Sanders also reiterated during his press conference that he is looking forward to Sunday's debates. Like I said yesterday, I had strong doubts that he would drop out before then because his team definitely seems to believe that he will obliterate Biden in that debate in fact, they're so confident that Sanders spent about half of this press conference telling Vice President Biden all of the questions that he plans to ask him at the debates. He basically gave the man a take-home test. Like, here, you're gonna need a few extra days to prepare. And of course, that was mostly just to hammer home the strength of his arguments and the concerns of the American public as he sees them, but it was a good framing on Sanders's part. After the debate, there are four more Democratic primaries happening on Tuesday, March 17th. Those are in Arizona, Florida, Illinois, and Ohio. The New York Times noted today that Sanders has ads to the tune of $9 million booked through March 17th. That was part of their reasoning on why he wouldn't be dropping out today. But I think after we see the results in those four states, it might be another story. We'll see if Sanders' press conference today was able to affect anything, and we will certainly see if anything changes after the big debate on Sunday. And that is the election roundup for the day. As always, you can find Election Ride Home on Twitter at Election Podcast or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Election Ride Home. Thank you all for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.